0: Hey, welcome back, friend. How are you handling all the hustle and bustle of the new year? Here's your gentle reminder to slow down, enjoy your time with loved ones, your self-care, and enjoy the food. This is episode 75, and we are talking all about habits. This is the fourth Session in my five in five. I just said session, didn't I? Oh gosh. So when I'm in counseling or coaching sessions, I often refer to them as episodes, and now I'm doing it here. Anyway, this is our fourth session. Fourth episode. Goodness gracious, Sabrina. This is our fourth episode out of five. In my five episodes in five days. So I hope you enjoy it. Today, we're talking all about habits, how they're created, how they're strengthened, and how we can change the ones we don't want to keep. So let's do this, shall we? Welcome to the Emotional Eating Therapist Show. I'm your host, Sabrina Rogers, licensed mental health counselor, intuitive eating and body image expert, and recovering perfectionist. After healing my own disordered eating and body image issues, I'm helping women let go the guilt and shame around eating, feel at peace around food, and befriend the image they see in the mirror. In this podcast, we chat about all things food, body, and mental health so that you can stop dieting, let go of perfectionism, and finally feel confident in all areas of your life. If you want to connect with me on social media, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at SabrinaRogersLMHC. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. This helps other women find and learn about the podcast so they too can change their relationship with food and body. Let's get ready to stay off the diet roller coaster and live healthily ever after. Each morning as part of my daily routine, I read the memories Facebook keeps for me. There are some from many years ago that have me cringing for how steeped in diet culture I was. But most of the time I enjoy reading about where I was at that point in my life and I love seeing the photos of Anthony as he grows. This morning I noticed a trend each year around this time and I'm curious. Does this sound familiar to you too? Each December I'd start planning for my New Year's resolution to lose weight. Get in shape, and finally love my body. I'd spend hours researching which diet was going to be the right one, the one that would finally allow me to keep off any weight that I did lose. Throughout the month, I would psych myself up for hitting the ground running come January 1st. I'd have my meals planned out, time scheduled for meal prep so that even when I was super busy, I could stick to the meal plan. I'd plan out my workouts, meticulously timing the morning routine to know exactly how much earlier I'd need to get up each day to get my workout in before Anthony got up or while he was eating breakfast, and then I would binge. This was the last month I'd be able to have these foods, right? So why not indulge and enjoy all the foods I would be swearing off of? I now call this the last supper syndrome. And what I didn't know then was that I was making the problem worse and setting up myself for failure yet again. What I was doing was creating a habit that showed up not only in December, but several times throughout the year. I was reinforcing that diet binge cycle. Now let's chat a little bit more about this cycle that can also be called the restrict binge cycle. Sometimes it's hard to pull it apart and see just where it started, kind of like the chicken or the egg scenario. Because this is cyclical, we can start anywhere and get the same result. So let's start with the thought that usually sparks this eating pattern, something like I'm disgusting, or comparing yourself to a friend or celebrity, or just someone walking down the aisle of the grocery store which brings up those thoughts that you are only worthy if you look a certain way. These thoughts then lead to remembering what you've learned from diet culture, the whole calories in versus calories out. So you decide you're going to cut your calories and exercise more, which takes us to the restrict portion of the cycle. You restrict calories, macros, certain foods, or times in which you eat. And maybe for a time, this seems doable. But in truth, your body may not be getting the nutrients you need, and you feel hungry. Eventually, biology is going to take over and you will eat the foods you've sworn off of, and because these foods are forbidden, you are likely to binge and feel guilty about it. Think of the times you've put off eating, whether because you were on a diet, you were waiting for a special dinner, or just because you didn't have food around where you were out doing errands. That hunger feeling gets louder and louder and louder. And when you do finally eat, you're so ravenous that you scarf the food down so quickly, you'd think your taste buds were in your stomach rather than your mouth. This is because when you allow yourself to have what your body has been asking for, it goes a little overboard, not knowing when you will listen again. And thanks to diet culture, you've been led to believe this is overeating. These binges are shameful. The negative thoughts begin and get louder and louder, telling you what a loser you are, how you have no willpower, how you should feel terrible and never ever do this again. So you vow to restart the diet. Limit your access to certain foods and do it better this time. That is until the next time biology takes over because you're hungry or you just really want to enjoy a cookie or a piece of chocolate or chips. And then, because you've been dieting harder this time, aka restricting more and more, you end up binging again. That leads to beating yourself up again, and the cycle repeats itself over and over and over and over. This is what I call the diet roller coaster. and it wasn't until I stepped off of it that I saw it for what it was. I kept thinking I was the problem. When in reality, diets are set up to fail you. That's right, diets fail you, not the other way around. Each time we ride the diet roller coaster, we're strengthening this restrict binge cycle and creating a habit. Let's look a little deeper at how habits with food or anything else are formed. The pleasure principle states that we're programmed to want to feel pleasure and avoid pain. This is why when we're hungry, we eat. When we're hot, we want to turn on the air conditioning. When we're cold, we want to turn on the heater or put on our comfy hoodie and sweats. And when we get home from a long day, we want to kick off the shoes and take off the bra. Food is a great coping tool because it causes a spike in dopamine in the brain. This could be one of the reasons there are so many habits around food. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter. A messenger between neurons and is released when your brain expects a reward. When you come to associate a certain activity with pleasure, simply anticipating it can cause dopamine to rise. Since we've been taught from birth to use food to cope and our bodies have associated food with pleasure, thanks to dopamine, it makes sense that as adults we reach for something to put in our mouth when we're feeling down. Over the years and years of using food to cope, we've learned that food is a quick way to feel better, at least for a short time. Each time we turn to food and feel better, we reinforce turning to food in the future. It doesn't take long to build this habit, and I don't think it's something we need to do away with completely. However, it is helpful to have other strategies to use rather than turning to food all the time. Cognitive behavior theory states that our thoughts affect our emotions, which in turn affects our behaviors and the outcomes of those behaviors. These outcomes or results either reinforce or challenge and change our current perspectives. Almost everything starts with a thought. Sometimes it might not seem like it because a lot of thoughts we have aren't, we aren't even aware of. When we become more aware of our thoughts, we can start to see how much is really going on inside our brain and how these thoughts spark an emotion. We can think of emotions as another physical sensation, just another message from our body. And since we can observe both our thoughts and our emotions, we are neither our thoughts or our emotions. That's right, you are not your thoughts, you are not your emotions, they are part of you, They are not you. And you don't have to let them define you. Thoughts are just words. Words that are strung together. Our thoughts and our emotions are not good or bad. They just are. It's our perspective that makes them good or bad. The trick with this is slowing down the experience enough to begin to identify those thoughts, physical sensations, emotions, and the behaviors that follow. And bringing this back to habit formation and changing habits, you might be able to start to see how most everything starts from that pleasure principle of wanting to feel pleasure and avoid pain. We create thoughts that spark emotions and lead to behaviors. And thanks to dopamine, each time we avoid feeling pain or we feel pleasure, that behavior and those thoughts get reinforced. And like a rut in a dirt road, Each time it's used, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, which if it's a habit we want is great, but if it's a habit we don't want, mm, not so great. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life and I never plan to, when it's something that so many can relate to, even if you've never smoked. There are many reasons why a person begins smoking and only a few as to why they keep smoking. One reason why it's so hard to quit is because of the highly addictive ingredients within the cigarettes. And we can't do much about that other than not starting. So let's move on to number two. The second main reason people continue to smoke is the initial release they feel. This could also be applied to eating sweets or any of your other comfort foods. Those first few times you took a puff or took a bite The euphoria is quick to come and we feel instantly better for a time. This is where dopamine comes in, creating a positive association between smoking or food or whatever else you're doing and feeling better. The more you reach for that cigarette or cookie when you are feeling uncomfortable and feel better, the more you're strengthening that association. But what happens after a while is called habituation meaning it takes more puffs or bites to have the same feeling of relief. Now we're needing more and more to feel the same. So we keep using and keep strengthening the behavior and the thought that you need this to feel better. How about we look at it with what would be considered a positive or desirable habit? Moving your body daily. We all know movement is good for us on so many levels, and I so often hear how much you want to add more movement into your daily routine, but you just can't make it a habit. Well, first, find something you enjoy doing. If you try to establish waking up at 4 a.m. to go to the gym for two hours, and you hate going to the gym, or you're an extreme night owl, no wonder this hasn't formed a habit for you. Remember the pleasure principle. Were designed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. If you enjoy nothing about the 4 a.m. gym trip, you are not feeling pleasure or avoiding pain. So you aren't taking advantage of dopamine. Instead, find what movement you do enjoy and what times work best for you. I'll share my own example from a few years ago. Anthony has never been one to sleep late. In fact, as a baby, he woke up quite early I learned about a a. 5.30am jazzercise class, which meant waking up a few minutes earlier than Anthony normally did, and it meant I could shower with just enough time before my first daycare child arrived. What made all this work even better was that I loved dancing and had fond memories of attending jazzercise in the 80s with my own mom. I was doing something pleasurable, dancing, which gave me a hit of dopamine first thing in the morning and creative positive associations with a 5.30 a.m. jazzercise class. And it fit nicely into my schedule, which increased the habit. Each time we attended class, dopamine and the pleasure principle strengthened the habit. And because I knew it worked, even when I needed to take days off due to not feeling well, traveling, holidays, whatever, it was easy to get back into the habit because I missed it when I wasn't able to attend. I hope this helps with your understanding of habits and how they're created and strengthened. When it comes to changing habits, we have a bit of unpairing to do with the associations we've made. To do this, I like to focus more on what you're adding rather than taking away. Before I dive into an example, let me remind you of cognitive behavior theory that posits that change begins with changing our thoughts. In order to be the person you want to be, doing the things you want to do, you first have to think the way that type of person thinks. You get to have the belief system of that type of person. So often we focus on the behavior side of the equation while leaving out the thought side, which is why our attempts to change our habits often fall short. This time, I encourage you to focus on both the behaviors and the thoughts, with maybe a bit more focus on the thoughts. Let me give you an example from my life. There was a time where the only water that touched my lips was from brushing my teeth. I would only drink soda or juice. Sometime in my 20s, I decided I wanted to cut back on soda and increase my water intake. So I focused on drinking less soda, thinking if I drank less soda, I'd naturally drink more water. But that didn't work out so well. I just drank less in general, and whenever I did drink water, I focused on how boring and tasteless it was. Now, a decade later, I tried drinking more water again. Only this time, I focused solely on the water and why I wanted to drink more. I practiced intentional thoughts like, Water is good for me. I feel better when I drink water. I'm the type of person that drinks water all the time. While practicing these thoughts, I also focused on the act of drinking water. I'd start each day drinking 16 ounces of water, Not because that is some special number, it's just the size of cup that I put in the bathroom. Each time I thought, I'm the type of person that drinks water first thing in the morning, it helped me drink water each morning. And each time I drank water first thing in the morning, I felt better throughout the day. I used my thoughts, behaviors, and dopamine to create positive associations with drinking water when I wake up. Over repeated practices of this, It is now a very formed habit and I don't even think about it unless I'm telling the story to you or someone else. When we're looking to add in a new habit, and remember I like to focus on adding in versus taking away because we're done focusing on restriction, it's often helpful to pair habits or what would be considered habit stacking. So if we look at my example of drinking water first thing in the morning, I paired drinking water with something that I was already doing in my day-to-day life. When we're starting a new habit, it's really great to take something that we're already doing that is a habit and pair the new habit with that. So drinking water first thing in the morning, as soon as I got up, I went to the bathroom, emptied my bladder. And then drank my 16 ounces of water because that's what's in the cup. Putting those two things together, the new thing with the thing that I'm already doing every single day because I always get up first thing, go to the bathroom. Just happens. That really helped increase the follow through on the new habit while it was created, while it was being strengthened. And then it just sort of happened. I often talk about this with clients with uh, medication consistency cuz you know how hard sometimes it is to remember to take medications at the same time and not that it needs to be done at the same time every day but the closer window the better usually the effects of the medication. So think about, you know, a time where you're already doing something consistently and put in the medication with that. A lot of people that I work with will say, well, I brush my teeth every morning, I brush my teeth every night, so I'm gonna pair my medication with brushing my teeth. So you put your medication bottle or your pill pack, whatever you do, right next to your toothbrush. Um, Sometimes you need to put it on top of your toothbrush because we tend to overlook the things that we just don't want to acknowledge. and you might pass over the medications and grab your toothbrush. So putting your medications on your toothbrush will help remind you of like, oh, I'm starting this new habit. I'm going to take my medications when I brush my teeth. Before you know it, you're taking your medications every single morning without fail. And it's just something that you no longer have to think about. The other thing, look at things that you're already doing in your life and See how you can add in your new desired habit around that. Looking at movement, another example from my life, my kid Anthony gets on the bus at about 7.30 and right after that, Amaris the dog and I go for a 30-minute walk or so. And it's just something that we do every single day because we paired those two things together, dropping Anthony off, going for a walk. If you would like more help on looking at how to add in or how to habit stack, how to pair old habit with a new habit, send me an email at info@sabrinarogers.com at and I'd be happy to help you kind of navigate some of this. Before we move on for the day, let's go back to the restrict binge cycle from the beginning of this episode. Your current thoughts are keeping you here and continually reinforcing this habit. To get off the diet roller coaster, you get to change how you think. Right now, the habit may be to berate yourself after a perceived binge, and while that may not make you feel very good in the moment, it's meant to help you do something different. Except it doesn't. So the next time you find yourself on the roller coaster, try being a little nicer to yourself. Try giving yourself grace. It might help to have a phrase ready to practice for when this happens. Something like, Sabrina says this is normal and I trust her. Or, oh, look at that. I'm riding the roller coaster again. Or, berating myself, never worked, so I'm letting this go. And then watch what happens throughout the next couple of days. Do you notice any changes, even subtle ones, in how you interact with yourself and food? Over time, this simple practice will help stop the shame spiral, which will eventually lead to less and less binges and restricting episodes. Let's do a quick recap before we say farewell. Habits are formed by our innate desire to feel pleasure and avoid pain. Dopamine is released when we feel, or sometimes just anticipate feeling, something pleasurable, which provides a positive association with the behavior and or thought repeated experiences builds and strengthens this behavior into a habit and habits can be changed by changing our thoughts. If you found this episode helpful and want to dive deeper into your thoughts and habits, you're in luck. This is a big portion of my work with clients and I'd love to chat about how we can work together. You can find a link in the show notes to my calendar where you can schedule a 20 minute consult to discuss how I can help you. I look forward to chatting soon. Until next time, friend, be gentle with yourself.